caught up yet? We are in the second week of a four-part series called One Small Step. And if you're new to City Hills, we preach uh, thematically. So most of the time, not all of the time, but, but the majority of the time, I am preaching in a series of messages sort of around a, a theme or around an idea or around a book of the Bible or around you know, a particular season, like, like next month on our preaching calendar, it's always relationships. I'm going to help married folks stay married. Come on, everybody. I'm going to help, help single folks get married. I can't promise you none of that. I can't help you, like, comb your hair or none of that. But, I mean, I, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to at least tell you how to be single God's way. I want to help you, you know, if if you're, you know, back on the market, you know, things have changed, maybe in a relationship or maybe even, you know, divorce or blended families, just what that whole thing looks like, we'll go to God's Word. So as I prepare to preach to you for the year, really, I sort of look at an entire year and and I ask God, what do you want me, where do you want me to lead your people? One of the, one of the, the things that I do as your pastor is shepherd you to different hills that we feed on, you know, and I take you to this hill and say, okay, God, you know, their their relationships, their marriages, their single life, dating, sex, just what God says about all of that stuff. And and then we go to a book of the Bible and what God says about all of all of that, what we can learn through that. The beginning of every year, I like to sort of just, you know, sort of cattle prod you on to how do how do we take a next step with God? Like how do we how do we sort of shake off all of that stuff at the end of the year? And really move ahead. And, and I really feel like one of the things that my challenge as a pastor is, is not to convince you that God has big plans for your life or God wants to do something big in your life. It's to convince you that all the big stuff you're believing God for starts with what we call one small step. It just starts with you getting up and saying, I can do this. I can move ahead. I can move forward. We're using Psalms 37 as our theme verse, uh, and, and, and you can take a look at that, Psalms 37 and 23 says, The steps of good men are directed by the Lord. Everybody likes this part. That's sort of where they stop in this verse. That You know, I want my steps directed by God. I want the destiny of my life to be directed by the Lord. The thing, the thing I love about this verse, though, is it doesn't stop with steps. It starts with what God really is looking for from you. He delights in Every step, each step that you take, like that one step that you take, that's what God's really interested in. A lot of people are interested in steps that get them somewhere. You know, I, I, want a, I want a healthy marriage. I want good kids that love God. I want, you know, I want fulfillment on my job. I want, I want healthy relationships. I, I want purpose in my life. And, and those are all the steps of good men. But really, God is interested in every step. Like, how do you get to that, to that point? And, and most of the time, when I when I talk to people this way, either you know in a you know in a counseling or or or, or even preaching that way, people usually have something like this to say. I thought it would be easier than that. Have you ever looked at something in your life spiritually, or that you wanted to accomplish physically, and said, "I thought this should be easier." Anybody but me, raise your hand. I thought dieting should be easier. Come on, it's not, by the way. I thought going to the gym should be easier. It's not, by the way. And whoever lied to you and told you it gets easier with time is a liar. They're a liar. And all liars will have their place. You know. There is no such thing as a runner's high. They're lying to you. A runner's high is when you pass out because you've ran too much. You feel high. You just passed out. I thought it would be easier than this. And I'm going to tell you right out of the chute. Now, you're going to think, but Pastor, this isn't, if you're here for the first time, you're going to think this is not a positive kind of message. Man, what kind of guy is this? But I just got to tell you right up front, and, and maybe this is going to seem hard, but it shouldn't be easier. It shouldn't be. 
Look, write this down. I didn't put this in your notes, but write this down. Life's hard. Just this is hard. I feel like I feel like I got to tell you this. The word of God to you today is it? No, no. It's just hard. It's just hard. Like life's just hard. S- Psalms nine says this: The Lord is a refuge. I love. My refuge, my strength, my strength. He's a refuge to the oppressed and, and a stronghold in trouble. Everybody loves talking about the refuge and stronghold. The only reason we need a refuge and stronghold is because there are times you're going to be oppressed and in trouble. That's positive, ain't it? Say amen to that. That's good positive preaching. But it's a truth. I meet people all the time. They go, Pastor, I thought spirituality was easier. Where did you read that? Like what Bible verse did you get that it was easy to get where God wanted you to go? Some stuff's just hard. You're gonna be a, there are going to be seasons of your life of oppression. There are going to be seasons of your life that are trouble. Come on, married people, marriage is hard. Being married to dumb people is real hard. Don't you say amen. Being married to hard-headed people is hard. It's just hard. Dating is hard. Come on, single people. I just wanted y'all to say amen so y'all could identify each other. (laughs) It's just hard. Business is hard. Come on, business owners. It's hard. Work's hard. Let me me help you. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not negative about a certain generation, but 20, 30-year-olds, look at me in the eyes. It shouldn't be easy. It's hard. It's just hard. It's hard to get the career that you want. It's hard to get the it's hard to get the marriage that you got to work on. Ministry's hard. Come on everybody, it's just hard. It's not easy. My wife just screamed an amen. Ministry's hard. It's just hard. Life's just, they're just seasons of oppression and trouble. The problem is we want life to be easy and when it's not, when when spiritual progress is not easy, we just give up. I thought going to the gym would be easy. It's not. I just don't think I'm going to go back. I thought this diet would be easy. It's not. I think I'm just going to go back. Those are funny, but I thought marriage was supposed to be easy and butterflies and wine and roses and romantic dinners. And when it's not, when it's his dirty draws on the floor, we just give up. We just give up. We just say, well, this is too hard. I thought this was going to be hard. I thought having the career that gave me fulfillment was going to be easy. I thought when I became a Christian, life just got easier. No, you got a refuge and you got a stronghold, but you've got it for the hard times. Because it's hard sometimes. Harvest, I didn't write this in your notes, write this down. Harvest is hard. It's hard to get the harvest that you want from God. And I am guilty. Let me, be, let me confess to you. Because if I'm going to err as a preacher, it's on the side of faith and believing God. I was raised in a faith-filled environment. I preach faith-filled. I really do. And, and I preach stuff like this is my season. Come on, everybody. I preach that kind of walls are falling and victories at hand. And it's harvest time. And all that's, I love that stuff. I will continue to preach that way. I love it. It's in my heart. I believe it's God's will. But let me not do you a disservice. I got to tell you, harvest is coming, but harvest is hard, and harvest has a process. There's a process to harvesting. I didn't write this down, but you should. God doesn't build buildings. God builds boulders that you got to dig out of the earth and shape into stones that you then put mortar on that builds buildings. God does not build buildings. He builds building blocks that you now have to shape into the buildings that He has for you. Am I making sense to you? God does not make mansions. 
God makes mountains that you blow up and put your homestead on. Come on, everybody. And you move a single wide in that homestead until you can afford to build the next house. And then you sell that house until you can afford to build the next one. And then five or six houses down the road, you get a ranch. Come on, everybody. God doesn't make ranches. He makes mountains that you got to dig out and pour your own foundation, build your own walls, run your own water. You're going to have to... You got to participate in the harvest. Say amen to that. I told God I was not going to preach hard today. I've already failed him. (laughs) But I did bring a handkerchief. Come on. Y'all know y'all was in trouble when you saw that. God doesn't make tables. God has never made a table in the history of eternity. God has never made a table that your family can sit around. God can make a table. He's God. He can make anything He wants. But God has. Ne- there's never been a time that God handcrafted a kitchen table that your kids who are away from you will come home to, that your marriage that is broken can be repaired at, that devotions in your family can go on at. God doesn't make tables. God handcrafts trees that you got to cut down, sand down, stain, put together, and make your own table because harvest has a process. Harvest has a process. God does not drop dreams in your lap. He puts them in your heart. Then you got to work them out of your heart into your destiny. It's a step. It's a process. My pastor always says it this way, that anything worth anything is a process. It's a, it's a process. If, if anybody had a reason to sort of give up in the process, it was Abraham. You know, I preach about Abraham a lot. Let me sort of give you a recap of where Abraham comes from. Genesis 11 talks about Abraham's lineage. If you're new to the Bible, Genesis 11 opens with the story of the Tower of Babel. The people of earth had one language. They were sort of congregated. They had found their way into this one area of the world, and they were building not just a tower. Most people misinterpreted just the tower. They actually were building an entire city. And and in the middle of that city was a tower that they were going to build together to get to God. And and the the Bible said God counsels with himself and says, we're going to go down there and confuse all of that. We're going to have to spread them out because when they get together and they got one mind, there's nothing they can't accomplish. Which, by the way, let me pause right here and tell you, when you get together with people, there's nothing you can't accomplish. God put unity and accomplishment inside of you. And the best way you succeed, that you're hardwired to succeed best inside of a group. That's just what God designed you to. And God knew that about the Tower of Babel. And then it goes right from this story about the Tower of Babel and the scattering. And the ne- about halfway through Genesis 11, it starts giving the, the lineage of Abraham. It actually starts with Abraham's daddy, Terah. And it goes down, and there's a couple of names that I love. Like, one of them is Pegleg. There are actually three people in, in Genesis 11 named Pegleg, which if you're pregnant, I think that's an excellent name for a baby boy. And, and, it, and it goes down and it gives all of the, and then, and then it, lands at, it lands at Terah. And it's crazy because God is laying the case for why Abraham, this giant of faith, the father of faith, the father of many nations that God would send the promised deliverer Jesus through, why it is he should not have succeeded and gotten the harvest that God promised him. God literally sort of lays the case out of, the, there's the only reason God would tell us the story of how Terah 
came, which is Abraham's father, is so that we could sort of see why it is that Abraham had all the odds stacked against him. Because it was hard. Because you're never going to have what God promises just because it's supposed to come easy. And, and, and they sort of have all of this stuff that goes through. And you'll see how in Abram's family there's all the reasons why he shouldn't have succeeded. Here's the first one. Write this down. He had a family of failure. A family of failure. The Bible talks about how they worshipped idols. That, that this tower in the middle was, was, to, was to exalt themselves into the heavens. That idol worship existed there. And, and some of you have discounted what it is that God wants to do for you because you come from the wrong side of the tracks. I got a family of failure. You don't know what I, you don't know what I come from. You, you don't know my, my parents' marriage didn't make it. My grandparents' marriage didn't make it. Their marriage, above, uh, the, my great-grandparents, nobody's had success in marriage. We've never been success in business. We've never had spiritual consistency in our life. We've always dealt with this addiction. We've always dealt with this problem. We've always had an anger problem. That's just where I come from. And Abraham could have said the same thing. You don't know where I came from. I got this whole family of failure. But listen, just because I didn't come from faith doesn't mean faith can't come from me. That's better than you just amened. Just because I didn't come from faith doesn't mean faith can't come from me. Just because I don't have a lineage of peace doesn't mean I can't have peace in my lineage. Just because there is no joy handed down to me. Come on, some of you were raised in negative environments. Everybody's always mad and yelling and cussing and fussing and hitting. And, 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 and there's just no joy. There's just, nobody's ever happy. Just because it didn't come to me doesn't mean it can't come through me. Just because I wasn't raised with it doesn't mean I can't have it. And Abraham said, listen, i got a family of failure. But I'm not the father of failure. I'm the father of faith. And I can start it with me. Shout amen with that, everybody. Here's the second reason why so many people think Abraham could have said there were tons of missed opportunities and incomplete obedience. Which, by the way, that's just a nice way for me to tell you disobedience. I just was trying to be nice today. Missed opportunities. Some of us go to God and say, I, I wish I could have. God, that would have been a great thing to get me there, but I'm, I, I just I miss my chance. I miss my 20s. I miss my 30s. I miss, I miss that one thing that I should have been doing in my life. Or God, I know you told me to, but I just, I kind of did and I kind of didn't. I just, this incomplete obedience. And Abraham dealt with the exact same thing. You got to kind of piece it together, the whole story from the Bible. You got to interpret one part of the Bible with another part of the Bible. In Acts 7, Stephen is given an account of Abraham's life. And Stephen says that Abraham was called by God when he was still in Ur of the Chaldeans. Wait, wait, wait. I thought Abraham didn't get the call of God for sand and stars, which we preached about a few months ago, until he was in Haran, until he had already left. No, no, no. He got called twice. Oh, I'm helping somebody today. He got a second call from God. The first one came when he was in Ur. Terah heard from God. Abram heard from God when they were in Ur and did not obey. And God called them again because the God that I'm preaching to you about today is the God of 
love second chances. Shout amen with that. That just because you missed the first one doesn't mean that's the only train to your destiny. Come on, there's another one coming, everybody. God still gives you a chance. Genesis 12, God calls Abram again. He talked to him in Genesis 11. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, your father's house to the land I will show you. Abram does just the opposite, disobeys, takes the whole family with him. Terah completely disobeys God, Abram's father, leaves him in Haran. He actually dies in Haran. They set up camp there, but God still uses Abraham. He's still the God of second chances. That's not very spectacular faith, everybody. That's just one step at a time. God isn't requiring out of you spectacular faith. He's just requiring the next step. Just one step at a time. And some people start the year off thinking, man, I, I can do it. I, I got these big things. And then you fail and you think, I don't know. How did I? But God is celebrating the steps that you take. Even if you've messed up. Even if you missed an opportunity, there's another one along the way. Aren't you grateful for a God of second chances? Amen, everybody. Here's the third thing, write this down. Abram could have stopped because he had no clear direction. He had no clear direction. God says, to, God says to Abram, I want you to leave. And Abram finally in Haran, after the second chance, the second calling of God, then, then Abram says, okay, I'm ready to go. Now, where do I go? And God literally says to him, to the land I will show you. Hang on. I kind of like it better if you'll show me. Then I'll go. It's easier on You ever met somebody, especially nowadays, who, who, who when they say to you, hey, I want you to, I want you, you know, we're going to this restaurant. And you say, okay, just give me the address. And, and, and if they're kind of old school, they won't give you the address. What will they say? Just follow me. I, I, people like that need to be punched in the throat. Come on, everybody. Just follow. I don't want to follow you. I got a phone. I want to follow it. I want to, I want to follow Siri. I trust her. She feels spirit led. Come on now. I, tr- I can't trust your driving. I, I can't, we're getting on I 10 is like, is like playing Frogger. We'll die. Both of us will die. Just give me the address. Tell me where to go, God. No, I'm not going to tell you where to go. You got to follow me. I'll show you when you leave. I'll I'll show you when you step out. But God, that doesn't work that way. God, I really wish you'd give me the whole path. I really wish you'd tell me when I'm going to meet my soulmate. If I told you that, you wouldn't follow me. But God, I really wish it'd be easier if you'd tell me when things are going to line up, when the business is going to succeed, when you're going to come through, when you're going to heal my body. I can't show you all of that stuff right now. I just want you to follow me. And Abram could have said, I got no clear direction. I don't know what to do. And some of you have missed out on your destiny because you didn't know quite where you were going, so you went nowhere. You never took a step because you didn't know all the steps. I, 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 I preach this a lot, but write this down, not in your notes. Indecision is a decision. Indecision is a decision. You're deciding not to decide. You're just deciding to stay still. And Abram could have said, God, nope, I'm not going. Till you tell me where we're going, I'm not leaving. I'm not doing anything. But he didn't. Excuses will always present themselves. You'll always have a reason why it's not the right time, right season, right money. Everything's not lined up. Listen, write this down. When I make room for excuses, I don't have room for expectation. When I make room for excuses in my spiritual life, 
When you make room for excuses in your spiritual life, this is why I can't. I don't have any clear direction. I, I don't have the right family. I come from the wrong place. I, I, I just I, I missed my opportunity. When you make room for excuses in your spiritual life, I can't serve now because we got kids. I can't serve now because we're trying to have kids. I can't serve now because I'm pregnant with kids. I can't serve now because the kids left the house. I can't serve now because the kids are in school. You Kids always going to be in your world. I just can't. I just got excuses. This I just can't do it. We can't tithe now because we just got a job. God, I can't tithe now because I just got a promotion on my job. God, I can't tithe now because I'm trying to get a new job. You're always going to have an excuse. And if you make room for excuses, you have no room left for expectation. You have no room left to go, God, I'm just going to trust you and believe you that you know better than I know. You got a plan I don't know about. I'm just going to take my next right step with you and trust you to fill in the blanks on the way. Say amen to that everybody This church was built on expectation This church was built on expectation Come on we went into a school we had no idea Every school we'd called said no Every place we'd looked to said no This theater I'll go ahead and tell you now Enough time has passed The management has changed Come on God's moved people out You better be careful because we'll pray against you and God moved some people that first time we called this theater and said we'd like to have church there. It was $10,000 a month for rental in one theater. By the way, that's a lot of money. $10,000 a month in one theater. We said, God, there's just no way. It's not even, we don't even have a church yet. Nobody's even showed up yet. We don't know if anybody's going to show up. What are we going to do? Four months after that, six months after that, we get kicked out of Kendall Elementary. God gives us that one school. We call back. Everything's changed. We get three theaters for less than the price of one, everybody. Just tell me, this church was built on expectation. We are built on what God, we believe God is going to make a way. It's birthed in prayer and fasting. It wasn't birthed out of personality. If you're waiting on me to do tricks, this is all I got, everybody. This is the best I got. Somebody told me before service, uh, can you do better than last week? I don't know. This is the best I got. I'm just hoping for a base hit. Come on. I, I can't hit a home run every day. I'm short. You know what I mean? I just a base hit's all I can do. But I tell you what I can do is every January, every August, we can get as many people as we can fit in and we'll buy more space and we're going to seek God's face and we're going to fast and we're going to pray. We're going to bird this church in expectation. We're going to expect miracles to happen. We're going to expect the miraculous in our church. We're going to expect a full theater in the middle of January in a suburb where nobody else said you can build a church in a movie theater. You know, you're only the second portable church in all of San Antonio who has succeeded like this. The second in the entire city. Why? It's not because of me. It's not because of this team. It's not because I love you. I'm thankful for you. It's because we came with expectancy. It's because we believed God. We didn't know what would happen. We just, we didn't make excuses for why we can't. We are not a team. Come on, dream team. Let me preach to you. We don't make excuses about why we can't make it work. We make expectation about how it's going to work. It's going to be good. We're going to give our best. It's not perfect, but we're expecting God to move today. Say amen to that everybody you can either accept the excuse of your life I come from the wrong family we never had money I didn't go to college I don't have what it takes or you can make room for the miraculous and expect the impossible which by the way let me give you another principle of the kingdom I'm, I'm working on my preaching calendar I'm going to preach a whole message series on the kingdom culture because we, we don't belong to listen I got I to preach uh, easy here we are citizens of this country. I, you ought to be. Nobody's more patriotic than me. 
Come on, everybody. Stand at the, at the dip. Cross your heart. Come on, love your country. I, I believe in all that. But Jesus didn't die for red, white, and blue. He died for black, yellow, brown, white, pink, everybody. You hear me? He died for everybody. He died for everybody. And this country deserves my loyalty, but I'm, I'm, I'm just passing through here. I'm a citizen of another kingdom, everybody. I'm not really for elephants or donkeys. I'm for the lamb. Come on. I'm in, I'm in the lamb's agenda. That's kind of what we do here. I, I want to preach to you about kingdom culture. One of kingdom cultures is expectation. God meets you at the level of your expectation. Let me, let me say it this way. If you've ever left church and said, eh, it's all right. It probably was more than all right. You probably came in with no expectation. If you didn't raise your hands in worship, you won't like any worship song they sing. If you didn't sing out loud, you won't like anything. If you don't amen, you'll hate preaching here. I'm telling you right now. It won't make sense to you. But if you'll come in here with a level of expectation, I'm going to meet God today. I'm going to be encouraged today. I'm going to have an encounter with God's presence today. I'm going to leave full of joy today. God's going to speak to me today. It's amazing what happens at your level of expectation got to move on. Setbacks. So many of us have this, have this deal that it's just not going to work for me because I just didn't do it. But setbacks are designed by hell to destroy you. But God uses the setbacks of your lives to develop you. Let me say that to you again. Setbacks in your life. The wrong family. The wrong side of the tracks. The, no money. No college. That, marriage that just on the rocks. We made a bad decision. We don't know what to do. Hell designs those setbacks to destroy you. God uses that exact same setback to develop in you what He wants. Is it going to be easy? No, it's hard. Because there's a process to your harvest. You just got to take a next step. So many people have amazing potential, awesome potential inside of you. Amazing purpose of God on the inside of you. We don't have a problem big enough to reveal our potential. Let me say that to you again because you didn't catch that. I went right over your head to the cheap seats way up yonder. Most people have tons of potential and purpose inside of you. You just don't have a problem big enough to reveal it. And then when the problem shows up, you ask God for deliverance and God says, no partner, I did that to develop you. You need that so that I can develop in you what it is I'm trying to produce through you. You need that problem in you. That's the thing that's going to develop you. You can be blind, deaf, and mute and still have Helen Keller. Because setbacks, you just need a problem big enough to overcome. You can have a burn so severely that the doctors say you'll never walk again, but Glenn Cunningham set the world record for the four-minute mile, burned all over his body. Doctor says you won't walk. Why? I didn't know I could till I had a problem big enough that I had to. Oh, God, I wish I could preach right now. It, you, you, you don't, it, it, the problem is you don't have a, a problem big enough. If, that Make him love music with all of his heart, but he's deaf and can't hear a single note, and you'll have Beethoven. You just need a problem big enough. Lock him in an Alabama prison cell. Tell him he will not influence or make a difference in the world. And you have Dr. Martin Luther King still have a dream and still have a voice. You just need a problem big enough to develop what God's trying to do on the inside of you. Obstacles are just opportunities for God to show you what's next. And for you to take your next step. you got to turn your setbacks. I'm trying to teach you to turn your setbacks into victory. That you can overcome anything in your life. Write this down. My destiny is always greater than my disaster. My destiny is greater than my disaster. 
where God is taking me is greater than what I've come from. It might be a disaster, actually, that facilitates my destiny. I'll say that again to you. It might be just what God would use, your disaster, your choice, your problem that propels you into your destiny. Oftentimes, Brandy and I meet couples who have lived and suffered for years and years, some of them, in silence and alone with infertility, solely based on the scary, one, one of the scariest days we had not told anybody at all. And we made a conscious decision that we were going to become, we were going to, we were going to come out with, we were going to go public with our struggle with infertility. And in doing so in my ministry, I can't tell you the countless number of people that we've helped walk through that very, very hard struggle. Not just that, but then God performed a miracle, gave us two healthy babies. Now I've, I honestly believe God's anointed me to, to, to encourage you that you can have a child that God could bless you and give you a family. It's, it's born out of our disaster, out of the hurt of our life. Our destiny is greater than God uses that disaster to propel you into your destiny. The truth is, listen, the truth is you don't need any more truth to get you moving. Sometimes you need trouble. I know this is not positive. <laughs> Sometimes you need trouble to get you moving. You need trouble. You need, you need God stirring something up. Stop giving the devil all the credit for the attack. Come on, let me, let me help you. Let me help all these super spiritual Christians. None of y'all really, all they, they come to the next service. But all the super spiritual people blame the devil for everything. It may not be Satan that gave you that setback. It may be God allowing you to walk through some stuff so that he can develop you, so that you can, you can discover what God would have for you that you would never have had you not walked through that trouble. On hell's most victorious Day, the most victorious day hell has ever seen, Satan still lost the king, the keys to his own house. It was the best day the devil's ever had or ever will have. It was that he thought for sure, I've killed the Son of God, the only one able to, to make a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He's now inside of a tomb, and the devil did not know because he doesn't know everything. He's not omniscient like our God, he's not all knowing like our God. He had no idea why he was throwing his biggest victory party that Jesus was walking through hell, taking out, letting captives free, and he took the key to his own house the devil that you're giving credit to has no keys to the place he lives why would you give him the keys to your house when he don't even have keys to his own why would you give him credit for destroying what it is that you thought was the best relationship why would you give him credit for I don't know why he left I don't know why they broke up maybe God would use all of that stuff so he can develop where he wants I had to hurt it had to be trouble I had to go through it I had to open that door I had to answer the phone it had to go down like that so I could get here oh Jesus I had to, I had to. Look at your neighbor and say, it had to happen. It had to happen. It had to happen like that. I had to go through that tough time. We had to lose that baby in miscarriage. We had to lose that job. I had to fold up the business. We had to spend our life savings. We had to get that divorce. We had, it had to happen like that. It had to happen so God could show me what He had for me. I would never have taken my next step had it not happened like that. Come on, God's got more for you. Revelation 12 and 11 says that they overcame him, the enemy, the devil, the thing you're giving credit for. 
They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. That's when you give your heart to Jesus. When He washes you clean, makes you whole, saves your spirit, saves you for eternity. Then you got some work to do on earth. They overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. When you look at your neighbor and you say, it had to happen that way. I had to go through it. He had to leave. It had to go down like that. We had to walk through that dark day. I would have never said yes to my destiny had I not had that disaster. I would have never walked through it. Abraham, you would have never moved on past Haran had you not lost your daddy in Haran and your brother in Ur. You, I had to go through it. I came from the wrong side of the tracks. It didn't work out, but I can. it's hard. It's never going to be easy, but I've got enough strength to take one more step step I'm encouraging you in this series doesn't matter how hard it is come on Zacchaeus was small he's short I can't I'm 4'9 I just can't see him God's not going to use me and Zacchaeus said I, I may be short but I can still climb come on everybody you be careful short people we're crazy you watch out I'll climb up on top of something to get where he is don't let the thing you've been going through keep you from what God's calling you to do they put John on the Isle of Patmos. I know I'm preaching a lot to you. I just got to give you some, some reason why it can be you. John is isolated to the Isle of Patmos. He gets all alone. And when he's all alone and has nobody else, he gets in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And God gives him 22 chapters of the revelation of Jesus Christ. You may be all alone so God could show you what nobody else could see. I had to. I had to go through it. I had to go through it with faith in God and grace from God. You are unstoppable. You just got to keep moving. Sometimes your best gifts are developed when your plans are destroyed. Sometimes your your best gift, the things that God used to bless you the most, are developed when your plans are destroyed. You say, how do I do? How do I keep moving? I'm going to give you one more verse and we'll pray. Uh, uh, how do I keep moving forward? Okay, okay. Give me, the, give, me the, give me the one, two, three steps about what to do. Here, to do this thing. I'll just give you one step. Here's what the Bible says. It's why we're doing what we're doing. It's why, it's why 21 days is so important. It's why praying is so important. It's why your spiritual life, i got to shake you out of lethargy and get you in love with Jesus and knowing God with everything you got. That's why i got to get you in a small group because you find healing in a small group. You will. You go to God for forgiveness, but you need God's people to get healing. You need somebody else who struggled with infertility to tell you God can do anything. You need somebody else who lost a baby in a miscarriage to tell you God can heal your heart. You need somebody who's walked through a divorce to tell you you can love again. You need somebody who's lost it all and lost their home to tell you you can get out of debt. You need somebody. How do I take a next step? How do I do it? Here's one step. Write this down. First Chronicles 16. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength. And here's the secret sauce of taking a next step in the middle of disaster, when it's hard, when, it's, when it seems all hope is lost, when you come from the wrong side, when the odds are stacked against you. Seek His Seek His presence continually. Seek His presence continually. It's why we'll always be, listen close, maybe you're new to church, you're new to people preaching like this, you say, man, where's the guy's robe? Where's the organ? In my world, robe and organ mean something different to what they mean in your world. Why is he so passionate? Listen, I I honestly believe, I really do, the reason why this church is what it is, let me me let you in on a little secret, we didn't copy nobody, we're not doing, let me tell you what I really believe, like I, I operate out of the belief that, 
People are tired of fake and cold and dead. And we will always be what I call a presence-driven church. In other words, the presence of God is more valuable than our programs. Our programs are important. Not as important as God's presence. Our singers, our worship, our style is important. Not as important as God's presence. My preaching, my delivery, is is, is it engaging and entertaining? It's important. Not as important as God's presence. Do, do y'all have this at this church? Well, not yet. We're only two years old. Do you have that? We don't have that yet. Do, are, are you do, we don't, we're not doing that yet. But are, do y'all, why, why do y'all not do this yet? Well, we don't. I tell you one thing that we will always have is we will always seek the presence of God continually. Because if I can get you into God's presence, He can help you take a next step. If you can get in God's presence at 21 days of prayer, if you'll seek God's presence continually, you can move on past your worst disaster. Don't, don't, don't stop where you are. Keep stepping in the right direction. Keep seeking God. and He'll take you somewhere you never dreamed possible.